This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 90, Spotlight on This is the End. Welcome to Comic Shenanigans. This is Kelly Chapman. I'm here with your host, Adam Chapman, for a very special surprise edition of the podcast. Uh, The surprise is that we're reviewing a different movie than originally planned. Um, So we went to the theater today to see Monsters University, Mm -hmm. which came out on Friday. Uh, It's Tuesday, and here in Canada, Tuesday's cheap night, and if you get delayed on the subway and get to the theater late, you do not get a seat for your top choice movie. However, uh, the theater next door happened to be showing This is the End, which we were also looking forward to seeing. So uh, in a surprise twist of events, episode 90 is going to focus on the movie this is the end and next week we will hopefully be bringing you our review of monsters university i hope so i'm very much excited for that movie i was uh i was getting ready for it i don't remember ever having i actually completed watching monsters inc so i was watching it today to in preparation i was super excited for a family-friendly movie and what movie we ended up seeing (laughs) not so much with the family-friendly no and a little bit more with the phallic imagery and a lot of penis this is true. Big devil penis. Yeah. Um, before we get to that, uh, before we jump right into the devil penis. Yes. Uh, so for those of you who are not familiar with this movie, This is the End is produced and directed, written, written, produced and directed by uh, Seth Rogen and his partner Evan Goldberg. Goldberg. That's the one. You just had to think Jewish last name, Jewish last name. Yes. <laughs> and it came out on... Adam, you do the factual part. It came out on June 12th originally, so two days before Superman, uh, Man of Steel. And uh, it was, I think it was a pretty large opening when it, when it, when it came out. So, yeah. And it's, uh, I think it's what, the fourth film that's a collaboration between uh, the two. Because they had previously done together Superbad, Pineapple Express, and The Green Hornet. Uh, of which all three of those movies were ridiculed, made fun of, and... Um, mentioned uh, excessively during the course of this movie. Yes, Superbad was good. Let's just put that out there. Okay. Pineapple Express, not so good. Green Hornet, nobody knows. <laughs> you know, a lot of people like Pineapple Express. I didn't get it. Maybe I should have been stoned, but I didn't get it. Yeah, maybe that was the I problem. I just didn't get it. I thought it was going to be a different... I, I remember watching the trailers and being super excited for it, and I was like, come on, Kelly, let's go see it. And then I remember sitting there with you, and you're like, I don't like this. And I was like, I don't know what's happening. Because I really thought I'd, I'd, I'd dig it a lot. And I, and I remember being like, I don't know. And I, there was actually certain points in this movie where I was like, I don't know if Kelly's going to enjoy this. Oh, it was... Okay. And yeah. I don't know. Anyways, we're jumping ahead. Anyways, so I guess usually when we break things down, we want to go on the story. There's not much of a story here, Oh, though. there's a great story. Is there? Well, I guess, no, I guess I'm not giving it enough credit. Go ahead. Okay. Break down the story. So the story... Is as follows. Oh, we should do cast first. Cast? Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about um, the cast. So let's do a little you go, I go, and see who runs out of cast first. Okay, so we're not looking at the no, actual you cast. No, you have to put the Wikipedia away. Okay. Wikipedia is away. Okay, so let's start with the obvious. Okay. Uh, it stars Seth Rogen. And Jay Baruchel. Okay, good you're enough. guessing. Yeah, I, I, don't, I forgot his last name. Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill. Craig Robinson. Danny, Danny McBride. Yep. Um... Oh, my God. The other guy? Yeah. Um, Harry Osborn. 
You know who I mean. James Franco. James Franco. I think you lose already, but we'll keep going. Oh, come on. That's the, the core cast. Yes. We also get uh, Michael Sarah, Emma Watson. Rihanna. Uh, Kevin Hart. Jason Segel. Aziz Ansari. Uh, Mindy Kaling. Why am I getting stuck already? This is awful. Wow. I got stuck. Who else was in this? Um, the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> yes, the Backstreet Boys. Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is that it? Am I, I, I know we there's... Might, oh, that guy. There's you know so the guy. More. Which guy? Mm, the one who falls in the sinkhole. And oh. Jay doesn't save him. Oh. I don't know his nah, name. No, I can't remember his name. But there is a... I uh, get credit for that one, though. Uh, was it J-Star or the guy... Um, Mark, Mark Star? No. He's from... Martin Star. And Geeks. Martin Star, yes. Martin Star. Yeah, I get points for that because I remembered his name and you didn't. Wow. Okay, so I think that's everyone. Anyone uh, we missed? I think that's everyone. Is it, I think there's a check. Uh, let's see. We missed. Uh, oh, Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. Yeah, Paul Rudd's in it. Oh, I think I completely missed him. Uh, actually, I, I think I missed Evan Goldberg himself. Oh, I don't even know what he. I didn't I remember forgot, him. So. Yeah, uh, and Christopher Mince Plus. I don't know that person. He's from Superbad. Oh. Anyways. Well, anyway, there's a lot of. So people there's a lot of people in here in this movie. It, well, I mean, the beginning of the movie takes place at a giant party. At, Yes. Well, the beginning actually takes part at the airport. Oh, my bad. So, um, as always, there's spoilers. So, just in case you were going to listen to this and not get the movie ruined for you. Spoiler yes. alert. Okay. So, uh, the movie starts off in the airport. And we have Seth Rogen picking up his friend, Jay. They always just call him Jay. So, I'm not going to try and it is pronounce his last name. <laughs> uh, Seth Rogen's picking up his friend, Jay, who's coming from Canada for a visit in L.A., um, the backstory is that these guys were friends, and Jay is... Canadian buddies. ...stayed in Canada, whereas Seth's career has taken him to L.A., and he's grown and blossomed and made friends there. Um, so they're hanging out, getting some food, playing video games... Getting really smoking high. a whole lot of weed. Um, it's a buddy comedy, it starts out. And then they decide to go to a party at James Franco's house. James Franco... Um, <laughs> Who plays a very douchey version of himself. Very, Everyone plays themselves in the movie, but just exaggerated, exaggerated versions yeah. in some cases. Um, I do love Very the, exaggerated in some cases, I would think. James Franco is extremely artsy in this. Like, they play up that aspect of, you know, everyone kind of makes fun of James Franco for a lot of different things. And, and they, they play that up in a big way, which is part of the fun of the movie, is watching how the stars make fun of themselves. Yes, which is, is highly enjoyable. Um, so party at James Franco's house. Jay's not really having a good time. He doesn't really mesh well with um, Seth Rogen's new friends. Kind of thinks he's a sellout. They end up going to the store to get uh, some cigarettes, and all hell breaks loose. Uh, the apocalypse comes. There's blue lights coming down. Uh, first, you think maybe it's an alien abduction. People mm. are being taken away. There's sinkholes, earthquakes, fire, crashes looting yeah all kinds of you know what you would expect from a movie called this is the end that is apocalyptic um they get back to james franco's house nobody knows anything's going on because you know places like a fortress oh i'm uh, sorry to go back i like the idea that uh james franco designed his own house 
Yes. And, and like in his own weird fortress of a house. I do enjoy uh, many things about his house. I enjoy that he has a chalkboard with various things written on it. I yep. don't know if you got a chance to read some of the things on the chalkboard, but uh, one of the things that I found amusing was that scrawled across the chalkboard was NKOTB forever. <laughs> Ever. Sorry. Oh, really? Forever. Actually, I do recall seeing that. Yeah. I completely forgot about that. It made me laugh anyway. I like that uh, he has the, uh, the painting of Seth Rogen, which is just Seth Rogen's name. Yeah, and it's right next to the James Franco painting, which is just James Franco's name. Yeah, I, I was listening to another podcast with Seth Rogen on, and he was talking about how they actually had James Franco paint that. And he's like, he was so excited about it. And he's like, this is what I would totally, what this version of me would totally make. Yeah, the versions of the characters, we'll get more into characters. Uh, I'm air quoting, but you can't tell. Uh, the characters later. Um, but I do enjoy James Franco's artsiness, but also his bro love for Seth Rogen. Like, yeah. he's, you know, this is my best friend, and there's some moments where um, that's very evident that uh, they are together till the end, best of friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, Jay's telling everyone what they witnessed, no one's believing him, uh, and then they hear, like, I don't know, apocalypse noises, and everyone rushes out into the front yard, where a giant sinkhole opens up, and almost everyone dies. (laughs) Yeah. We see uh, Kevin Hart dies, Aziz dies. Aziz dies pretty badly. Mindy Kaling dies, Rihanna dies, Michael Sarah dies the best. (laughs) Uh, He is the first casualty, and he is impaled by a light sign, and then hoisted up on said light post. Oh, yeah. Um, blood gushing. That being said, he already had quite the quite the movie. Because, oh, his character. Let's just... Let's just take a second. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's funny because, I mean, you've actually... You, you met him once, right? I met... Well, met... You can use the term loosely. I served him at a movie theater when he came to I didn't to like watch... the, the weird pregnant pause there. I served him. Well... At the movie theater. Yes. <laughs> I was his customer service. I not making it better. Gave him popcorn. You gave him popcorn. I worked in a movie theater uh, some time ago, and he came to see. Ooh, I'm wondering if I can remember what movie he came to see. He came to see a movie that was directed by a guy that directed a movie he was in. Wow. I don't know. The Shaun of the Dead guy. Okay. I'll no? have to look it I can look it up. Maybe that's not it. Anyway, there was a movie, and he came to watch it, and he ordered a small popcorn and two waters. And in my head, I'm thinking, you're Michael Sarah, You can probably afford a medium. So I tried the upsell. Because um, the sizes are kind of ridiculous. The medium is twice the size of the small, and it's 50 cents more, which is what I told Michael Sarah, And he said, no, I'm good with the small. <laughs> And it was at this time that I realized that Michael Sarah is not an actor. He just is someone who plays himself. Oh, this, I, this was him. I was like, oh, oh, you're okay. This is your character. Which but is in this movie... The most acting I think I've ever seen from him. I've never seen him act like this. He was hilarious. He plays a coked out version of himself. Who's very handsy, grabsy. Handsy, yeah. Didn't he There's, try and grab Rihanna? He did grab Rihanna. Yes, There's he did. an inappropriate bathroom scene with a couple of girls yep. serving him. Yeah. Not popcorn. <laughs> no. Um, so he's quite enjoyable. So his his timely demise is uh, hilarious. Plus the idea he's like, what's happening to me? What's happening? Yeah. And he just got impaled, but he's so coked up, it's probably not that bad. 
Yeah, he was in the middle of yelling at the crowd because he couldn't find his phone and he was accusing everyone of stealing it. And then as he's being impaled on this light post, his phone rings from his pocket and he picks it up and he's like, oh, this is embarrassing. <laughs> so it was it was enjoyable. Yeah, that was a crazy, like a lot of death in that sequence. Yeah. Just people randomly falling into holes. Yeah. Um, and thankfully Jay, who's basically our, our hero, I guess, because he's really the main character more than Seth Rogen's yeah. character in a lot of ways. Cause... I don't know if hero's the right word, but he's definitely the protagonist. Yeah, well, yeah, you're okay, you're right. He's not really the hero, but he's the protagonist. He's, you know, upset that his friend is drifting away, that they're different people now, and he doesn't like what, what they're becoming. And uh, it's, it's, it's actually an interesting movie in that you do have, it's kind of a buddy. It's a lot of different movies all in one, because you have parts of it being this horror-slash-disaster movie uh, in that they're surviving the apocalypse, and it's like, what? how far will you go? What, what do you have to do to survive? It's also a bit of a buddy comedy because you have Seth Rogen and, and James Franco's love for each other. And then you also have uh, a, like a relationship drama between two people who have uh, drifted apart from one another and are trying to cling to that but don't quite know how to do that anymore. So there's, it's, there's a lot of different movies kind of all rolled into one. That's part of what makes the movie work. Yeah. Is that it has so many things going on at once. It's not just a hilarious comedy. No, it's not. And actually, the, the way it's... I mean, I'm, I'm jumping around a lot because we had, we'd written down an, an outline and I'm going from point to point. But, um, I mean, there's a lot of it, like the cinematography, it actually makes you, like, you jump a little in your seat because there's a lot of quick cuts. There's things to show up. And in a typical comedy, wouldn't necessarily have that. But because they're actually building a level of suspense, you're actually wondering what's going to happen next. And there's a whole sequence. I mean, if you've watched... The trailers, like you know, that something happens to, um, um, oh, what's his Jonah name, Hill? Jonah Hill, and there's a whole por- portion of the movie where is it Jay? Is the power of Christ compelling me? <laughs> it's not that compelling. That's my favorite part. Uh, the, well, there's a part where James. Franco I was actually, has, I sorry. was sorry, I was really happy that all the funniest parts weren't in the trailer because sometimes you know that happens. You see yep. a trailer, you think this movie's going to be awesome, and then you go and see it and everything that makes you laugh is the stuff you've already seen. Mm. And I thought the trailers for this movie were very good. Um but in no way did they take all the funniest parts. They there's a lot no, still to be I enjoyed. Agree. There's afresh. a there's a whole segment uh with uh James Franco and his gun. And I and like and you don't know who they're going to shoot. Do you remember that? It was relative, like relatively yeah. early on, and it's just yeah. them keep on passing around a gun, and it just gets waving, waved around. And because you don't really know what's going on or who's going to survive or how it's going to go down, it actually makes it more of an ex- exciting kind of sequence or more like, oh, oh man, especially because you've already seen some gore at that point. Uh, at one point, someone gets like their head ripped off, and then they it kind of gets inadvertently used as, so- as a soccer ball, not on purpose, but... Yeah. So, I mean, there's a, there's that level of gore, which makes you a little uncomfortable, but not too uncomfortable, because it's still played for laughs. But you also just don't know when shit's going to hit the fan. Yeah. So, um, the shit does hit the fan. <laughs> and uh, we end up with our main six held up in James Franco's house, mm-hmm. um, not really knowing what's going on. At first, they think they're going to be rescued. Um, they're waiting, you know, to find out what's going on, when is, you know this going to be resolved and I was actually surprised I anticipated um, a shorter time frame okay. like I thought they were going to be held up in the house overnight or something mm. um, but it actually goes on for I don't know weeks feels like it's a couple a, weeks is it weeks I guess I have, it is days a, anyway definitely days at least days, days yeah for um, sure before you know the eventual resolution of the situation 
Um, but in this time, we have a visit from Emma, Emma Watson. Watson. Hermione. Hermione comes. <laughs> um, at first, she had been at the party. So she's like, oh my god, you guys are still alive. She comes. She's going to rest. With an she, axe. She, yeah, well, she's been surviving out in the world. She's badass. <laughs> she comes. She's going to hang out with them. She's going to take a nap. And, uh, you know, you think she's joining the crew. And uh, there's a whispered conversation outside her bedroom door about not giving off any rapey vibes. Air quotes. <laughs> rapey. Um, and then the guys start accusing each other of like, well, if anyone was going to rape Emma Watson, it would be you. What are you talking about? This guy, if anyone's going to rape her, it's going to be him. And uh, she overhears this, obviously freaks out, uh, and then goes to town on them. Uh, oh, yeah. she, she Broadside was- of the axe to the face. For Seth Rogen, right? Um, and basically robs them of some of their well-needed supplies. Yeah, there's a shot, I think, from the trailer where, uh, I think it's Danny McBride's, like, Hermione just stole her, all her stole stuff. Stole all her shit. Yeah, they also do this uh, confessional camera thing where they've got, you know, James Franco's artsy camera set up somewhere. And they're, they're doing confessionals like it's some kind of reality TV show, um, which is kind of a fun gag. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're held up for a few days and then... Um, we have some highlights of the being held up. Uh, Pineapple Express too. Yeah, they they had talked about at the party about what they would do if they were to make a sequel to the movie, and so uh, they take a bunch of drugs and make the sequel. Yeah, and then the sequel it was actually almost more fun than watching. I the thought original. it was much better than the original. <laughs> it's obviously short and uh, you know improvised. Uh, I can't remember which sequence it was, but when uh, when Jay takes the was it the acid. Yeah, and then like the Gangnam Style sequence. The Gangnam Style sequence. That was fun. There's a lot of there's a lot of drug sequences. Um, the whole and but they they don't feel like I mean I think one of the problems maybe with Pineapple Express is that the movie may have been intended for people who were high, and I wondered if that would be a problem with this movie if I you know hmm. sober early going into it would get not, it. Not if, only sober, uh, seven months pregnant. Yes, seven <laughs> months pregnant, very sober. Um, so I wondered if I would get it and I, I didn't find that, I mean, maybe if you had taken something before the, the movie, you would have enjoyed it more, but I'm not sure how, because I thoroughly enjoyed it and I didn't feel like there was jokes that I wasn't getting because I was sober. Hmm. It definitely felt like maybe, um, I wouldn't know, but maybe your experience could be enhanced, but it didn't feel necessary and it didn't feel like a stoner comedy in any way. No, and I think part of is because it still holds up as a disaster movie. Like the fact that it it wasn't just going kind of one one level. It did work on a, on its own as a disaster movie because, you know, it's it follows the, the standard tropes of a disaster movie. Something bad happens, yep. people have to survive and eventually try and get help or find some sort of resolution. In this case, the resolution is, is heaven. Try, finding a way into heaven is the resolution. Yep, and some of them make it, and some of them don't. Nope, that some sort of them... ties up the plot summary. Um, yeah. Basically, in the end... Oh, well, Jonah gets possessed by the devil. <laughs> of course. Raped and then possessed. I thought the rape was a little unnecessary. Uh, I like, thought it was funny because it wasn't graphic. Like, you basically have the outline. Like, there's a, it's like a shadow of the devil sneaking into his room. And, and you, you see like, the shaft. Hee, hee, hee. And you see... A giant Devil shaft. Penis? See, the, but it, then it's not. It's not like they 
kept going with that. They he basically um, like well at the end with the giant up. the giant devil had the you know had his no, but I mean that business. sequence itself. Like it's not like he gets we like see him get raped by the devil. It's just you know that's what's about to happen, and then yeah. the next day his confessional is like something weird happened. Like something they, not chill just happened last yeah, night. Yeah, so like really, all you saw was a shadow of a giant dong. Yeah, and he, the implication that he was about to get some. I guess I, I didn't plan. I thought it would have been it, it was it was enough that you didn't need to have the the shadow of the, of the dong to to get the well, point. Well, I wouldn't have known what he was doing. No. No, maybe he was going to cuddle him. <laughs> yes, the devil cuddles. Or just kill him. Yeah, I would have been like, why is he still alive? No, I, 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 no, I think it was necessary. It was necessary <laughs> to show to allude Sometimes to the sodomization. I find penis unnecessary. For example, <laughs> giant blue dong in The Watchmen. Unnecessary. What? Unnecessary. Well, this, <laughs> more so necessary. <laughs> My opinion. Okay. In the end, uh, we have some people being chased by demons. We have some cannibals, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but essentially, some of our heroes, if you want, make it to heaven, and some of them. Some of them fig- don't. Some people figure out how to get to heaven and still ruin it. Oh yeah, we can get to that. Uh, well, let's break it down maybe by character because they. So there is some actual growth for sure. some of these characters. Why don't we talk about the six main characters? Okay, so, and we can talk about what ultimately happens to them. Sure. As part of how we feel about their characters. So okay. You pick one, and we'll start. Uh, Craig Robinson. <laughs> Hot tub time machine. I watched that a couple weeks ago, and uh, that's all I can think of now when I see him. Yeah, is hot tub time machine. I can just think of the office, specifically the scene where he calls his then nine year old wife to yell at her <laughs> oh, for yeah. cheating. Hilarious. I forgot about that. Yeah. Anyway, um, you go ahead and start. Uh well, he 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 he's the idea that you know every he's like, well, I'm I'm big and cuddly. He's the adorable one. Uh but the idea also that he's harboring a deep dark secret of what he did long time ago is he gouged someone's eyes out in a bar fight fight. so basically that he's done bad things and this is kind of um discovered as they're kind of talking about how why they they might they realize that it is the apocalypse um after jay you know reads them the bible and they don't believe him and you know as time goes on they do realize that it's the apocalypse he's probably the first one that comes around to it he he makes the pact with jay about you know and he starts to try and change his ways that maybe he can get into heaven and change things around they realize that the blue lights they saw earlier you know wasn't it some kind of alien abduction it was uh the rapture it was people being taken off to heaven the good people so to speak so there's this little bit of a you know, I guess we're all assholes. We're still here, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, so Craig Robinson's character, <laughs> Craig Robinson, is the first one that sort of realizes that maybe he's not the best person, and that he can, you know, try harder. Yeah. And uh, plus, he like uh, there's a, a point in time where like they they're all scared to go outside because uh, at one point he he gets chased by I guess a demon back into the house. So at one point Jay has to go across the way to go to another house to try and scavenge for supplies. And Craig Robinson's like, no, I'll go with you. And that's the first kind of glimmer that, no, he's changing. He's trying to be a better person. He's trying to stick with Jay and uh, and stand by him in ways that no one, else, no, no one else in the group is willing to do. And later on, when they finally are trying to escape the house... Uh, and Being and chased by a giant demon. They're being chased by a giant demon. He makes the ultimate sacrifice. And then kind of he's the one who basically figures out or everyone else figures out that if you make the grand sacrifice for others and you you kind of turn over that leaf that you'll be able to get into heaven right he's sort of you know i'll distract him you guys get away i'm gonna do this for you genuinely like there's no reason for us all to die um so he distracts the demon 
demon's about to get him. And he gets him, get him, and then a giant blue light comes in and he gets saved. I would actually like to say it felt like. uh, I mean, it's easy to discount a movie like this just for being like a raucous comedy, but there is actually like he does have that that redemption, and there is that character arc throughout the movie of him changing. It's not just him suddenly turning over a new leaf and doing something that's out of character. He's building towards this this act, and it's because of him doing that act that some of our other main characters have the chance to even get into heaven so I and I really liked how he played the character I like that even when he was in heaven he was still wearing the same shirt but all in white instead oh yeah we do get a glimpse of them in heaven later yeah which I liked pick one of the six um Franco Franco okay okay so as we mentioned before um James Franco is sort of a artsy douchey version of himself <laughs> um and very in love buddy love with Seth Rogen. Uh, he has, you know, the Seth Rogen and James Franco artwork. He also has his uh, some Freaks and Geeks artwork, which I thought you'd really appreciate. Yeah. Um, that's some paintings. And, and a uh, giant penis. Uh, yeah. He also has a giant penis in his house. Yep. In his custom Decorative. house. Yeah. Um, at one point, we find out he's hoarding food and he, you know, shares it with only Seth Rogen because, you know, you're my guy and... You know, there's a lot of the buddy love. So I thought his character was well done. I thought it was over the top artsy without being too, too much. much. Yeah. Um, Even with the gun, like it was and still I should, just a I should mention gun. just going back to Craig Robinson for one second because I'm gonna talk about this with the others. I didn't feel like obviously they're all acting, but they're also trying to be themselves. So it's a fine line of whether they're doing a good job. And I thought Craig Robinson, it felt very real. It didn't feel like. Like, obviously... They wrote him laid back. Obviously, it's a script, so he is still acting, mm-hmm. but it didn't... It, it felt natural for him. And same with James Franco. Like, I know that he's not quite like that, so he is acting, but it didn't feel... Uh, it didn't feel like he was. I think part of it is that, and you can tell throughout, is that they're all having fun with it. Yes. So, when you're that comfortable, and, and actually, one thing I wanted to mention, when we were waiting for the movie to start, we were watching previews, and they, they showed a preview for Grown Ups 2. Now, we've, this is the Adam Sandler buddy comedy that a bunch of his friends basically were like, hey, let's make a movie. And now they decided to make another one. And I feel like when we watched that, just seeing a preview for it, it reminded me of this could have been a, that. Because I remember watching Grown Ups 1 and being like, this is just a bunch of guys decided to make a movie together. They're like, and then, hey, let's go to a cottage for the summer and make a movie while we're there so it doesn't seem like a colossal and then get And then get people to pay for it. And, then, yeah. and it, was, it wasn't that great a movie, whereas I think this could have been that. It could have been, hey, it's a bunch of friends, you know, we're, we're all, you know, funny guys, we're going to make a movie together. This could have been that. This could have been that disaster of too many, you know, too many funny people is actually not funny. Uh, instead, thankfully, it was the opposite. It was, it, because it was hilarious. It allowed people to, it, well, I think part of it's because they got to be versions of themselves, but still that has some truth, but not too much, and just have fun with it, whereas as opposed to trying to actually play characters, uh, they were just being themselves. Yeah. So, so back to James Franco. Um, his brother wasn't in it. It would have been oh, nice yeah, to baby have Baby Franco. Baby Franco. What's Dave, his name? Dave. Dave. Dave Franco. Dave Franco. Um, yeah, that would have been all right. You'd think his brother would be at his his housewarming party. Yeah, That's maybe just not. Bad writing. <laughs> <laughs> bad writing. You're gonna. Yeah, it's not believable now. Aww. Um, <laughs> so James Franco, you know, he is held up in the house with them the whole time. You know, they have back and forth um after craig robinson's character sacrifices 
himself and we see that he gets carried off to heaven uh james franco tries to do the same thing so the next time at this point for various reasons we'll get into it's it's just james franco seth rogan and jay and they're again put in a situation uh this time it's danny mcbride is the threat we'll get to what happens with him um but james franco sees the opportunity to make the same sacrifice and get into heaven himself so he says i got it i got this one guys um i'll distract them you run away and he does and we see the blue light comes and he's saved and he's starting to float off and uh it's at that moment where he proceeds to tell Danny McBride to suck it. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. He's flipping him off. He's too. flipping him off. He's like, ha ha ha, I'm going to heaven. You can't touch me. And the blue light disappears and he <laughs> gets eaten. <laughs> gets eaten. Pretty savagely. Yeah. So the lesson is <laughs> Don't be you a can't dick. pretend to be a good person to get into heaven. It has to be genuine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and gloating does not sit well with with the big guy. Wait till you're in heaven first. That's the lesson. Yes. That's, if, well, I don't know that that's the No, lesson. it's not the lesson. The lesson is you can't fake your way into heaven. No. And so James Franco isn't able to do that. Yeah, so he's eaten. Pretty hor- uh, horrifically. Yeah, by, well, Danny McBride becomes a cannibal and has a pack of cannibals we'll get into, but uh, yeah. they eat him. Well, I guess I'll talk about Danny McBride. Okay. I'm not a huge fan of Danny McBride. I don't know what else he's been in. I guess he was in Pineapple Express, but I don't remember him. Yeah, I don't even remember... Actually, I don't even know that much of, of his filmography. Uh, I just haven't been a huge fan. I guess Eastbound and Down. Uh, he was in Your Highness, 30 Minutes or Less, and Pineapple Express. I Those are a bunch Tropic of the things. Thunder. Nobody yeah. saw that. A lot of people saw that. Not me. He was also in Up in the Air. Okay, I guess that's something that. I'm not a huge fan of him, but uh, he plays kind of the, the more despicable of the of the group um he's he's i mean he's the outside of the six he's he's the dickish the biggest dick uh when we first see him he was actually you know not even invited to the party and then he was sleeping in the tub and he wakes up and he wastes half their food and like it, it sets up i'm a sorry very... hold on he was in yolo yeah he apparently. got to be in a lonely island video apparently i feel like that's not cool <laughs> anyway so he you know he was uh you know, he he's set up as the antagonist of, of the six. He's the more antagonizing character in there. Um, he doesn't really get a, like along with them the same way. He's he's everything that Jay seems to hate about Hollywood is usually personified by Danny McBride's character. Um, he eventually kind of gets ousted from the group, um, and then yeah. well, they decide after he like they're rationing their supplies, mm-hmm. and he takes extra water and then wastes a bunch, and he's just being a cocky dick. And uh, they basically decide to vote him off the island. And then as he's leaving, he seems to repent a little and apologize. And um, They offer so him the like, gun. It's okay, I'm going to go. You know, do you have anything I can protect myself with? So James Franco gives him this gun, the one that they'd been waving around earlier. And he's like, here, you can have this. And he's like, oh, I know how much this means to you because it's a prop. The idea is that James Franco keeps props from his movie. So we see some... I was hoping we'd see some pumpkin bombs. Or just like see um, the goblin mask or something because like I mean, well we saw the the poster the, we did see from Spider Man three like the cut yes no we did yeah that's enough I I know but it would have been fun to see him wear the mask I guess so at one point they call him the the Green Goblin yes they do so anyway they give him the gun and he's like you idiot or whatever and he proceeds to shoot them all 
but it turns out it's a prop gun and it's loaded with blanks. So <laughs> that's when they see his true colors. And, uh, and at that him. point, well, he says, I'm leaving. You can't kick me out. I'm leaving. Yeah. He goes off into the world. We don't see him again for a little while. And the next time we do catch up with him, he has banded together a pack of wild uh, cannibals. Yeah. Survivors. Um, and he's going to eat eat them. And he has Channing Tatum as his bitch. Which is adorable. He has him on a chain like a like a pet. See, I, I do like when Which actors can adorable. Uh, allow themselves to just do something against type. And like they, he, I like seeing seeing Channing Tatum Especially. on a leash and like acting like a like a like a whip dog. Yeah, is funny because he's usually the action guy. Well, especially because we saw the preview today for White House Down, which is the action comedy that's forthcoming with uh, Channing Tatum and Jamie Fox. Yeah, Jamie Fox plays the president. Channing Tatum's, I guess, some kind of Secret Service guy, and uh, they're saving the world or something. It's a cla- it's a but classic it's a classic, buddy, classic buddy comedy. You know, this for is sure. GI Joe. You know, so seeing GI Joe on a leash and uh, you know nipping at someone's heels is, is is a great role reversal and it was enjoyable, very funny to see. And the fact that he can have fun with something like that and be like, okay, I'll do that. Yeah, they mentioned Channing Tatum earlier in the movie because when they went to the party, um, Seth Rogen was saying, "Oh, this is a great street. Channing Tatum lives down the street." I forgot so about that. I was hoping we would see him. At one point, they have to break into a neighbor's house to get some food. Mm. And I was thinking, oh, maybe this is Channing Tatum's house. Maybe this is where we'll see him. And then, you know, by the time we actually do see him, I had forgotten that I was waiting for him to show up. So, it was, uh, it was good. But that's what happens to Danny McBride's character. So, by the end, he, I mean, he's, he's kind of a, a, a leader. I mean, he, he's enjoying hell because now he's a cannibal. He's leading a group. People, I guess, respect him. Uh, and the last we see of him is eating um, James Franco yep. for dinner. Yep. Pretty grossly. Indeed. And he's enjoying, I guess, you know, also that he has uh, Channing Tatum to sodomize. That's <laughs> unnecessary. Why is that? That's, that's no, what happened. No, not in the movie. I'd, or just, just to say to. it that way? Well. No, we got, uh, we got a few left. Yep. So, uh... Jay, Seth, or Jonah? Jonah. Highly enjoyable. Um, I thought he was a little over the top. He plays sort of, kind of a wussy, I don't know how to, wussy's kind of the wrong word. A little bit effeminate. Yeah. Character. And, uh, you know, he's this genuine good guy, but also kind of a little wussy. A little wussy, a little nevish. Like, he's constantly trying to suck up. Yeah. Like, in here, like, he's... He's trying to make Jay like him, so he's going. He's going too hard. Yeah. And uh, even though he he really hates him. Yeah. And eventually hopes that he'll die. Yeah. So I think his character is a little over the top, but then he gets possessed by the devil, and it's amazing. <laughs> it's super fun. He, he puking vomit. You know all the good. I like the super strength and like just having him like tear through. Yeah, they attempt an exorcism, at one point, and uh, it's it's really enjoyable. It's. Well done. Even though, well, part of it was in the trailer, you still seem to really enjoy it. Yeah, it didn't feel like they showed me everything. Okay. Um, and then, ultimately, Jonah meets his end because they accidentally knock over a candle during the exorcism and light the bed on fire. And he... And then the house on fire, basically. Yeah, that's why they end up leaving the house at the end. That's why they end up the house at the end and getting chased by the demon. So, Jonah meets an untimely demise that way. Yeah. But overall, I thought his character was good and I, I felt like he did a good job. 
Yeah, and I did like how he played what happened after he gets molested by the devil. Like again, it was kind of understated, but and uh, there's a part also when uh, they're kind of making fun of his delivery as an actor, as you know the the serious version of Jonah Hill when he's and uh, like even when he's talking to God, he's like you know it's Jonah oh my God. From, from Moneyball. He you says know? he says a prayer to God, um, to you know please kill jo- uh, Jay because they're not getting along. And he says, hi, God, it's me, Jonah, from Moneyball, <laughs> which I found to be... I like the idea that and it fit the, the film version of the character, of, 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 the, of the actor. Oh, absolutely. Which is like, you know, the guy takes himself too seriously yeah. now. He's a little bit more pretentious. Yeah, now that he's, he's in Moneyball, he's better than everyone else. And he was, now he's Oscar he was nominated. Like, during his prayer, he was like, um, that might be the worst human I've ever met. Not to judge you or anything, God, but what, what was up that day? What were you thinking? <laughs> It was, you know, it was still comedic. Mm-hmm. It was very funny. Uh, I guess I'll tackle Jay. I really, I, I like that he was, I guess, the primary protagonist. Um, and again, he kind of sells the more emotional core of the film because there's a lot of weird, crazy, over-the-top antics that go on. He kind of gives you that more stable rock. He grounds it a little bit. He does ground the film um, into this, you know, there's two friends who are drifted apart and they become different things. And it's about what would you do that for that friendship, really? And uh, there's some secrets that come up between him and Seth. I I really dug how he played it. At times, uh, um, it, it it almost didn't again didn't feel like he was acting. It felt like that's the way he is in most things. Like kind of awkward, kind of strange. Have that kind of weird voice and kind of way about him. But it it fits you know this version of himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, brings us to Seth. Yep, Mr. Rogan. Mr. Rogan. I felt like. He felt the most like he was acting to me of any of them. Okay. Um, and I think that just stems from the way he is. Like, I don't I don't know that it was necessarily bad acting. I just think that he... He did some, sometimes almost feel out of place because everyone else seemed to be gelling so well. And I think he's just, that's just him. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't bad acting. I don't want it to come off like I'm saying he was bad acting. He just felt the most unnatural. Mm. In in this in the movie, I do like that. There's a line in the Although movie. It's his like, movie, so that this, doesn't make sense. This is the most you've ever like I've ever seen you act. Oh yeah. When they're trying to tell where him was this shit in Green Hornet? Yeah, that's right. When they're trying, isn't it when they're trying to explain to McBride that yeah, they're, they're telling McBride happened? what happened because he had basically you know came to the party, passed out in the bathtub, woke up the next day, didn't realize anything was wrong. So actually, anyway, I guess. And yeah, so I guess that's most of the characters. That brings us to the end of the movie, and what happens to Jay and Seth? They get to so, go. To, they get to go to heaven. Okay. I spoiled it. Spoiler. What were you gonna say? I was gonna explain how they got to go to heaven, oh, but I guess it, it's not no, relevant. Well, no, it is really relevant. Go ahead. Please explain. We're just talking about character development and how they learn. But I jumped whole, to the end. You know, they're having this sort of petty fight the whole time. It comes out that. Jay lied about this, Seth did that, you're a sellout, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, at the end, they're being chased by the demon with the giant slong. And they realize, like, there is no way out. He's going to get us. And Jay apologizes to Seth for what he's done, for not changing with him, for not, you know, accepting his, the way he, his life is for now. For holding it against him. Yeah, for holding it against him. And they have this really, you know, deep moment. And then... You know, they're like, well, let's die together. We're buddies. And they're hugging, and blue light shows up. Jay's being carried off to heaven. Mm-hmm. And they're like, where's my light? Why am I not being taken to heaven? So Seth's being left behind. 
Uh, Jay reaches out his hand and says, I'll take you with me. At which point, one of the funniest moments of the entire movie happens. And the <laughs> scene from Ti- the movie... Oh, yeah. The song from Titanic. Pardon oh, me. Isn't it the bodyguard? Isn't it the bodyguard music? Oh. This is I-, I Will Always Love You, wasn't it? I thought it was the Titanic movie. I thought it was... Wow. Now one of us is very wrong. Oh, no. Which one of us is wrong? Well, they do the you jump, I jump part. Oh, I, I guess. You, jump, I jump, oh, you know why was we, I thinking bodyguard? We then? both die. No, I was. I will always love you. On the soundtrack. Okay, well, whatever. Whitney Houston. They. Fine. <laughs> sorry, you win. I'm sorry. I. It's still. It's still priceless. It's cool. We'll edit out this part. <laughs> <laughs> It'll all be edited out. No, it won't. Anyway, um, I will always love you. Comes on. I don't know what I was thinking then. But there, he's trying to bring him up to heaven, and they get to a point where they realize that Jay's not being lifted any higher because um, Seth is holding him back. They're, he's not coming. So Seth basically sacrifices himself. He lets go. And uh, they have the moment. They have the Titanic moment, though. They do, kind They're, of. They're like on the raft, and he's like, if, no, I, if I I'm don't let go, that. we both die. Yeah. Anyway. There's a part of, uh, in I Will Always Love You where it goes quiet, and then she belts out the, the, like, the next note, and that's where he then gets saved by his own shaft of blue light, anyway, which then slices off, which slices off the uh, giant yes, demon. they both uh, go up to heaven. Giant demon shalom. Gets sliced off by the blue light that comes down and saves him. Yes. It's, it's a weird scene when you have a giant CG devil holding his own junk. Yeah. Because it just got sliced off by a giant blue light. And then uh, they're in heaven. And who do they get greeted by? I, I love that. Those, those for you, those are cute. Oh, Craig Robinson. Yes. He greets them in heaven. Yeah. So that's that's basically the, the characters. I do like that. Didn't they, they bump together their uh, their halos? Yeah. <laughs> they're playing with their halos in heaven. And then that brings up another guest star. Because Jay wishes for one thing. Uh, I was going to do that as part of my overall favorite moments. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. Well, Jumping go ahead. Jumping ahead again. Talk Try about and it, give then. this guy an outline. Um. Anyway, Craig Robinson is explaining to them how heaven works, and he's like, "You can wish for anything you want." So Seth Rogen closes his eyes, and he gets a Segway, and he's riding it around. And so uh, Craig tells Jay, "You can have anything you want, anything at all." And uh, so. <laughs> Jay makes his wish, and all of a sudden you hear the starting notes of uh, everybody. You see the Backstreet Boys walk in, and they do the entire dance, and it's freaking awesome. It was really funny. And then funny. all the characters that are like in heaven um, are doing the background dance with them. Like It was really well done, and I didn't see it coming. I hadn't heard anything about them being in the movie or no, know that it was coming, so <laughs> it was a hilarious, enjoyable... Um, dance, yeah. you know, song. And I think at the beginning of the movie, the movie, when Jay and Seth are hanging out, wasn't it Backstreet? Yeah, back they were they, they were listening to, to Backstreet. Back so it makes beginning. sense that it's a callback, but then you actually get to see the Backstreet Boys, and that was a lot of fun to see, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and again, as you said, because it was unexpected, uh, and it's just like, oh, this is really happening. <laughs> this is really happening right now. Uh, other highlights? You want since we were kind of talking about highlights. Um. I think I mentioned a couple of them. Obviously, Jonah being possessed, I enjoyed. There was a line that cracked me up when the first night they're all sleeping separately, and then they start realizing it's scary as 
hell. Yeah. So they start coming together. But when Seth Rogen comes to sleep with Jay, um, he's like, I forget what he says, but like, you gotta, you gotta stick with these people. They could be your group. Oh yeah. You know, we're better together. Something along those lines. And uh, Jay's insistent that he doesn't want a group and that he's a lone wolf, you know, like DMX. <laughs> At which point Seth Rogen explains that DMX has the Rough Riders and you can't stop, drop, open up shop by yourself. So I had that song stuck in my head for a little while. But That's it was, right, yeah. I laughed really hard. I actually, you There's actually turned... things like that where like... You actually turned to me and said, I need to remember that for later. <laughs> it was funny. It was a good line. There's a couple lines like that where... Just an unexpected reference to something else. Mm. I can't remember all of them, obviously. Yeah. But there was a few of those that I found uh, to be. Yeah. I did like the uh, Emma Watson appearance. I thought that was fun because it it plays against type. Um, Again, that's part of what the movie's about. It's showing fictionalized versions of characters you, you think you know, or in some cases showing versions that you would not expect. So that's the part of the fun of seeing Michael Sarah because he has a obviously a reputation as being kind of quiet and like like a lot of his characters. So seeing a coked up version of him is funny. Seeing an Emma Watson who's swearing and able to wield an axe and is badass. And you know if she thinks anyone's giving off a rapey vibe or thinks that people are discussing who which of them would rape her if they did, uh, she won't ma- she won't take that line down and. That she's yeah. actually... I'm actually surprised she didn't show up later. Which, by the way, would totally be Danny McBride. Well, who's most likely to rape her? Yeah, he's the rapiest. Yeah. Well, especially but with where he ends the movie. I mean, yeah, well... And so I was a little surprised we never saw any, anything more from Emma Watson. Because she was out there on the streets, surviving. She's the only one with, like, kind of her, her, her fate kind of up in the air. Eh. Didn't care? Rihanna's appearance is really brief, but probably her best acting. I haven't seen her in Battleship, but I'm guessing this was better. Yeah. I did find, um, just, I don't know if we were done with highlights, but moving on to some things that I didn't enjoy as much. Okay. Um, I found, I thought that Aziz was wasted. He's the funniest person I know. I know. Like, we're buddies. (laughs) Uh, he's one of the funniest people out there right now. Mm. And I, we didn't get anything from him. No, we it, got like a little bit of oh, disease. There was nothing. A little, yeah. So I would Kevin have really Hart enjoyed too. Kevin Hart. At least he had more lines. Like he had a chance to be funny. Like he was yeah. a little bit of. We got to see who he is. True. Um, but I didn't feel like we got any of disease. It was, it was the briefest of cameos. That's true. I mean, Jason Siegel again. It was just kind of he was there briefly, but didn't. I mean, I, but I he was more meant to be cameos. But I you're don't right. expect as much from Jason Siegel. Okay. I feel like because he's not like a like a, he's not a comedian comedian he's a comedic actor but he's not a stand up hilarious like he's not the same you no, know like how often are we sitting around the house and I am quoting Jason Siegel never how often do I quote Aziz freaking every day now I wish you would just quote Jason Siegel I don't even know how to just quote Jason Siegel right <laughs> Gary's face yeah. Well, that's that's an ob- obscure reference. That's okay. If anyone writes in saying they understand the reference, they get a prize. They get a prize? Yep. Dang. I'm going to send them a prize. A no prize. What? That's a thing. Oh, Marvel Comics used to have what they called a no prize. What's that? Uh, back in the day, Stanley, if someone was like, they would offer up explanations for things that, that didn't actually explain. Like, there was obviously a disconnect between scene A and scene B, and someone came up with a plausible explanation, uh, he would send them an envelope that said this is a no prize. 
It's not. It's nothing. Oh no! I'll send you a real prize. Send me an email. <laughs> oh wow! Comic shenanigans at gmail.com. Yep, that's the one. Tell me what the <laughs> reference is. I will send you a prize. Wow, I would have just done a no prize. Well, you are cheap, my friend. <laughs> I'm cheap. Um, Dang. So I felt they could have used disease more. Okay. And oh, and don't just write it and say it's from the Muppets because that's not the answer. Anyway, that's a clue. It's related. That's a clue. It is. A, it is. Anyway, I did. I I wasn't sure how I felt about the long protracted sequence talking about uh, about jizz. Yes, there was um, a sequence where we find out that Danny McBride has been masturbating to the a porno one, magazine, the last porno magazine that they have in the house, and it offends Franco and. And then he's like, I'll jizz anywhere I want. I'll jizz on your face. You just went on a little long. It's one of those jokes that sometimes just goes on too long. It wasn't a bad joke to begin with, but it did go a little bit too far. I agree. I mean. Uh, Did you you like the general, like, feeling of, like, you know, anything could happen and things are just kind of jumping out at you and, like, like a horror movie or like a... Um, It sort of, it, it surprised me because I was, as much as I knew it was, an apocalypse, end of the world, you know, horror type movie. Uh, I didn't expect there to be as much jumping out at me type stuff. It was played a little bit more serious. The very first time they're in the convenience store mm-hmm. and like whatever happens, the first earthquake or the rapture, like whatever yeah. happens, it scared the crap out of me because oh, I really? was not expecting it. Kitty, you're not on this podcast. <laughs> um, I was not expecting it and it scared me. There's another moment where they fall through the floor and I just didn't see it coming right away. Like, mm-hmm. I knew it would happen, yeah. but I didn't know it happened right away. Mm-hmm. A couple times the windows get, like, banged in. People show up. Like, there's a couple moments where it's just that jump out of your skin feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, on a more personal note, um, as we mentioned, I am seven months pregnant. And I don't know if some of you will get this experience, but uh, some of you will have no idea what I'm talking about. When you're watching a movie where things are jumping out at you and you're kind of jumpy to begin with, getting kicked from the inside uh, adds to that freakiness because, let me tell you, it's an unexpected kind of thing that just adds to that. So Mm -hmm. that was a little bit hilarious. But I I did find that they did a good job of that. Um, Despite it being, you know, predominantly a comedy, I was crawling out of my skin a little. I was jumping. Yeah. You know? well, I think, and part of that, the way why they're able to do that is because they they did play it relatively straight. I mean, they could have played it more jokey, a little bit looser, and I think that they would have lost something. I think it's because they play it more straight, uh, even though it is still a comedy, and there are moments of levity. There are those like oh shit moments. I mean, there's that sequence when uh, uh, Jay and uh, Craig are in the other house and they're running away from like the yep. giant monster. I mean, that's that's pretty creepy stuff. And I, I think I've, I've read in interviews you know that this is like the first Rogan movie that really has a lot of spe- well besides Green Hornet but a lot of special effects in it yeah. and they actually look fairly good I mean you don't necessarily expect them because you think it's just going to be this weird quirky movie and they actually have a fair bit of special effects and they're not bad nope I thought overall the special effects were were pretty good the um just touching on cinematography for a second you had mentioned some of this but one of the things I really enjoyed was uh when they a guy gets decapitated and they inadvertently are using his head as a soccer ball. Yeah. Mostly because they're grossed out and they're like, ah, kicking it, you know, like, yeah. get it away from me kind of. Don't they even mention let's not kick it around comically yeah. like a soccer ball? What I really enjoyed is there's a brief moment where the camera angle switches to um, basically like the eyes 
of the body. Mm. Like the viewpoint you're getting is like a it's like a POV from the severed head. That was really enjoyable. Yeah. And unexpected because Yeah, you're right. I mean you it's not a... that kind of movie. No, you're right. But that I thought that was really well done. And I actually going back to I, I do enjoy that I as you said, those talking head moments. You know, where you actually where it's like a reality show. Because Oh, with the confessional. Yeah, because yeah, at times they're able to tell jokes without it being as deliberate. Like you get you're there's certain um narrative devices they were able to do in those types of cutoffs. I mean, uh, The Office found a lot of success in being able to tell a joke in a way that you can't do in a regular, with regular cinematography. Because you can have cut, you can have like certain expressions that you can capture from a different moment just reflecting on the moment of the hilarity, of the funny. Yes. You, it's just interesting, and I like seeing that utilized. Because you there can't was, use it in everything. There was a moment in one of the confessionals uh... Seth Rogen pees in his own mouth. Oh. Yeah, I, did, I could have done without that. I could have done without that, like, too. Like, definitely could have done that. That being said, that. I also... I did like the uh, the Craig Robinson confessional on... Um, t- you know, he's tasted his own pee. That... It's see, not that... Just... I thought that was fine. He, he was like, I had to drink my own urine today for the first time. It wasn't bad. And then you see him with, like, a martini glass, you know, yeah. full of urine. That was... That was fine. I wasn't like, ew, gross, he's drinking his urine. But then, like... Well, they played it classy. It was classy. It was. It and then was. Seth a... Rogen comes in. You, there's a zipper, and he like bends down, and I'm like, oh, he's trying to. That's what I thought. Pleasure himself, and no, that's not what he was doing. And I, it was a little much for me. Like even the Jonah Hill possessed vomiting was less gross. Yeah, and I thought that was a little excessive so, in some ways. I mean, oh, I did have one other criticism. Okay. It's just a small one, and I understand why it was happening okay. but I felt sort of more in the beginning of the movie there was a lot of use of last names that felt it it felt um, name droppy no not name droppy because it, it was felt it felt very like forced if, if you know who these people are then you'll get this otherwise no but Jay's won't. visiting from Canada maybe he doesn't know everyone he's like we're going to James Franco's house okay Channing Tatum lives down the street okay I get that okay but I felt like you know, the first time Jay sees Seth, he's like, Seth Rogen! Okay. We've established that he's Seth Rogen. Yeah. And then they're driving to the sto- like the burger place. Mm. He's like, you're the greatest Seth Rogen. You're so cool, Seth Rogen. Like, he calls him Seth Rogen several times. Yeah. And it felt very forced. Understandably, when they're talking about the party, like, oh, who's going to be at James Franco's house? Oh, Michael Sarah might be there, so-and-so. I get that, because maybe you have six friends named Michael. You yeah. have to specify which Michael. No, you're right. But the, you know, I I don't talk to my best friend. You know, I'm not like, Tibor mate. How's it going, Tibor mate? Tibor no. mate. You know, I've Nathan, never heard you refer Nathan to Nathan Struck. as Nathan, Nathan Struck to his face. You <laughs> know sh- what I mean? I should from now on. Hey, Nathan Struck, how's it going? Yeah. You're so great, Nathan Struck. Like, it just doesn't happen. So I thought that that felt kind of forced, and I was a little bit wary because it was near the beginning of the movie. Um, that that would, you know, be something you know, that that tone, the mm-hmm. fakeness, yeah. would carry on throughout the movie, and I didn't think it did. So I was I was pleased. Now that you mentioned it, there was a lot of that, even even throughout. I mean, I've, I've, I I think when Emma Watson comes back, I think they do call her Emma Watson. At a certain no, point. I think they're like, "Hey, Emma." Do they? Because okay. I remember thinking, but I mean, James Franco's in the confessional, going, "I hate Danny McBride, that Danny McBride guy," and I mean. 
Well, it helps at first you're like, I don't know who that guy I is. I didn't know who he was. He's Danny? Who's that? Yeah, they were talking about Pineapple Express, and they were talking about Danny from Pineapple Express, so I knew it was Danny, mm-hmm. but I didn't, I mean, but yeah, there was some, some of that felt forced, but luckily that was maybe one of the only times that I felt like the whole, you know, hey, we're playing ourselves, was being done, obviously. Mm, you too, know? too heavy-handed. Yeah, and I do like, uh, sorry, I'm a little bit all over the place, because um, I think we're wrapping up, I just want to make sure I've touched on everything. But you were talking about, you know, it is a end-of-the-world kind of movie. Disaster movie. And I did like that they didn't all make it. Because you can't all make it in oh, that right. kind of movie. I mean, I don't know if you remember Cloverfield. I think none of them make it. I don't appreciate that because then I, I leave the movie thinking I wasted my time. Nobody survived. Well, Blair Witch Project, everyone died. I found that, yeah. But I guess that was the conceit of the movie. You kind of knew no, that. No, that the was beginning. the idea. I think with Cloverfield too, because they, like the the tapes and stuff. Yeah, that's the idea. Um, but I think with Blair Witch, they told you up front like this was I, recovered. Yeah, Their I feel like it was. Found. I felt during Cloverfield that someone would make it out. Okay. Um, so I do appreciate that they didn't try and save everyone, and we all live happily ever after. Um, you know, if you guys make it out in the end. Yeah. And I thought true. that was that was the perfect way to do it in that style of of a disaster movie. It's very Not everyone true. lives, you know. Yeah, Jack and, dies. Yeah, Jack does die. It did so. feel like more of a, an old school disaster movie when more people did die or people were expendable. Whereas... Oh yeah, like the massive casualties at the beginning. I'm all for that. I just mean like <laughs> of that. Once you get to that core survivor group, mm-hmm. they're not all going to live. No. You know, so I, I thought that was that was, that good. was good. I would. Well, do you want to give it a rating at a at a ten? Uh sure. I will. What's your rating? Ooh, we want to have to go first? I always go last. We can do it at the same time. Same time? Okay. Fine, I give it a nine. You give it a nine? Wow. Yep. I, yeah, I found it, I said enjoyable on this podcast like 26 times, so if you want to play a drinking game with the podcast, <laughs> probably use the words enjoyable. Okay. Um, Which is funny because you can't drink at all. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. So, I did really enjoy it. There was at no point was I bored. Um... Some of the humor was offensive, but it was not over the top to the point where I was ever really offended. You know, maybe I disagree with a couple choices, but I was never offended. I was never bored. I was entertained solidly for the entire length of the movie. I had no idea where it was going. So I was never like, okay, I get it. Get to, you know, Lord of the Rings, get on the boat, leave. I get it. You're going. You know, there was no dragging on. Okay. It was, I mean... Maybe had I read more about it beforehand, I would have known the major plot points. But, you know, even the stuff I knew was going to happen, I didn't know when Jonah would get possessed. I didn't know how that would get resolved. Mm. I knew Emma Watson would show up at some point, but I thought she just showed up to rob them. That's how the preview makes it look. I didn't realize she came there as a friend and it was because of their rapey vibes that she robbed them. Yeah. Um, so I did find that I was surprised at every turn. I was... <laughs> not only laughing but you know a little bit freaked out in my seat because of the that jumping out thing mm. that they were doing the suspense yeah so i mean i i'm not going to say it's the best movie i ever saw but i think that you know all of those factors help it get a solid 9 yeah it's yeah. definitely i would watch it again yeah so it was uh, even though we didn't get to see it, the uh, Monsters University was a suitable replacement, although yeah. a very different type of very, movie. Very, very different. Well, I'm not even sure how I feel about Monsters University. We'll see how it goes next week. What? What do you mean? I just 
Boo's not going to be in it. Boo's not going to be in it, and it's a prequel. No, I, I'm I'm interested to see how they how they set up a prequel. Even though the, we were watching a Monsters Inc. the other day, and you pointed out an inconsistency. Yes, we will get to that on next week's podcast. But okay. I think definitely solid story, good acting. Not that it was hard; they played themselves. Um, but where the acting was necessary, Michael Sarah coked out. I assume that's acting. Um, <laughs> you know, so I felt. Overall, yeah, I give it I give it a strong nine. Okay. Um, I was leaning more towards an eight, eight and a half. You give everything an eight. Uh, you have been not you've been talking to uh other people who've been on the podcast and do review episodes with me before. Oh, I've never listened to one of your reviews episodes unless I've been on them. Uh, or book of the month. But your no, your comic book reviews you give a lot of eights. I do. I know. Okay, so Uh I, you know, a lot of the same reasons. I thought it was a very solid movie. It was um, it did have the humor, but it, it didn't trade too heavily on it. It actually had a, a good enough vibe, as I said, as a disaster slash horror movie on its own. And then the fun, the fun aspect made it more enjoyable uh, throughout. So I, I, I give it a very solid. I'll give it an eight and a half. Um, okay. it, I would definitely watch it again. Uh, you're right; there are certain moments where you're like, "Whoa, you know what's going to happen next?" But it, overall, it was still it was just a lot yeah. of fun and. I'm not sure it'll be as good the second time because I will be expecting things. That's true. Um, but I still think it would be. Something. But the moments you really enjoyed, you'll be expecting those. Oh, and... and I'll be able to remember some of the comedy that I'm sure I'm missing out on. There were some really classic lines. There, there was, for sure. All right. I think that uh, just about Should wraps wrap us up. up. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. This has been episode, what, number 90? 90 episodes. The Going March, strong. The March to 100 uh, begins. Yeah, we'll we'll have some good stuff coming up for you, um, as we probably mentioned. But we've got the Monsters University podcast next week. Yep, that'll be episode um, ninety two, and then uh, there's a Wolverine podcast coming up. That's episode ninety eight. I may or may not be on that one, so don't get too excited, people. <laughs> you might not, you know. I hope you're on it. We'll see. As uh, as Nate has said, uh, when Tibor and I are on a podcast, we need someone to even us out. Well, I'm glad I wasn't on Superman because I didn't enjoy that movie. I don't yeah. know what you guys said about it, but I didn't like it. Well, we had a two-hour discussion. Well, I didn't like it. No? That's, I'm glad I wasn't on it because I, all I would have said is I didn't like it. You were bored. I was kind of bored. You were kind of bored? Bored is not the right word, but... Well, after a while, the the over-the-top violence uh, or just action got a little... You almost get desensitized and it just keeps happening. Yep. And it keeps going on. It, a lot yep. of Transformers. Yep. Uh, I'm going to take this opportunity just before we completely wrap it up. Um, sort of a preemptive apology to our listeners. For what? Um, well, we've got some stuff coming up, and just the timing of the podcasts. There, you know, we try and keep to a fairly rigid schedule. Mm. Uh, twice a week, you know, uploaded on X day and X other day. Sunday and Wednesday. Yeah, that's it. Um, <laughs> we're moving next month. We're having a baby coming up, so you know things might. You know, we're going to try and not let it get in the way of the schedule, but. Uh, just bear with us if you log on looking for a podcast on a Wednesday and it's not quite there yet. Um, stick with us. We'll uh, we'll get things up as as best we can on schedule. Yeah, there are plans afoot. I mean, I want to, uh, as I've said in our previous episodes, uh, probably dial back a little on the, the non-reviews episodes just because you know there's not enough time in the day, and yeah. I'm gonna have a very very uh, young child running around. Well, not running around, but screaming. Whoa. Not running at all. Being, ca- being carried around screaming. Yes. So, I mean, occasionally you get an appearance from one of our cats. Um, 
the odd meow. We're hopefully, you know, the baby won't make an appearance on the podcast, but we can't <laughs> the, make any promises the at odd, this point. The odd scream. You know, until the new studio is fully built. <laughs> right? <laughs> the new studio. Oh, the basement. Anyway. Cannot wait for Thanks the for listening. This has been Comic Shenanigans, episode 90. Yeah. Once again, I'm your host. <laughs> I mean, co-host for this episode only, Kelly Chapman. And I have been Adam Chapman. Or I am Adam Chapman. Always will be. I hope so. We'll uh, catch you next time. All right. Bye-bye.